Welcome, caller. You're on the line with the calls are coming from inside the podcast, an exploration of the human side of horror. Each episode, we call a unique guest and ask them about one horror movie that left its mark on them. Together, we do a deep dive into our guest's personal connection to find out what horror feels like. I'm Kevin Sparrow, and this week, we're joined by Bhavna Sharma of the Bloody Broads podcast to talk about 2015's The Invitation, about the worst dinner party in LA history, even before the horror kicks in. We discuss the masterful filmmaking of Karen Kusama, our tips and tricks for not joining a cult, and the very demonstrable problems that social politeness can get one into. Then stick around toward the end of the episode as Bhavna and I give a veritable list of double feature options that would pair nicely after you've decanted the invitation. This time of year, 2023, everything's happening. Everything's coming up Millhouse. Oh but <laughs> we're doing our everything's coming up Millhouse. Yeah, I think just after, yeah, you know, three long years it, in a pandemic, you start to be like, well, how do I finagle things that I used to do back into my life? And the answer is, you don't. Yeah, what well, you don't, or you do them all, they all happen together simultaneously. Yeah. How do you do it without the increased anxiety is my thing of like, because for the most part, I'm okay. But then like, I'm fine if it's just me doing whatever I'm doing. Mm. But if I'm in a group of people, it's like I'm a sponge. So if I have some friends that are still extremely cautious. And then I have some friends mm-hmm. that are like extremely reckless, like even with like, the common flu and stuff so i'm going like mm-hmm. uh, how do i balance you two in my life then it becomes like compartmentalizing like all right i'm gonna see this person like i have one friend who's immunocompromised so for her i will double mm-hmm. mask around her like her compromise is like she's like you can eat popcorn when we go to the movies that's fine i don't mind but like for the rest of the time i'm masked up and stuff for mm-hmm. her but then i have some friends that are like they're not idiots they're just more like over it even though it's not mm. over. And I'm like, how do yeah. I, uh, I don't want to be in a big crowd anymore. <laughs> not even because of anxiety. Yeah. I'm just tired. I'm a tired old person now. I don't want to be. In a crowd. Yeah. I think that's one positive is you get to lean into all of the, <laughs> yes. the antisocial behaviors you want really. Right. Yes. <laughs> I, yes. I am like, okay, I may be 37, but mm-hmm. also, I'm tired. Oh my goodness. You can't see this on a podcast, but we've got a full scream cup. Yes. With a stabby uh, ghost face straw. Yes. Is it a straw? No, it's a a topper. It's a topper. It's a topper. topper And he's got like the side profile going. We love it. Full of water for the record. She, she, them. Them. Who knows? You know what? Let's go with them. Just because we don't know. And there's been multiple... Ghost face of multiple genders. Yeah, we need it in the future. Next movie, non-binary ghost face. Yes. They're calling it. We'll see. Yes. We'll see how progressive <laughs> the Scream movies can be. I mean, I'm uh, sure they can get there. I just want them to tackle a different yeah. city now. Speaking of cities. Yes. <laughs> maybe this will come in later. I'll pop back to our, our city discussion because, you know, mm-hmm. the movie we're talking about today is really important 
you know, about a very specific city. Very. And we're both in cities. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a surprising thing, but how about I introduce you first? Sure. And then we'll get into, get underway with the movie. Sounds good. Welcome to the calls are coming from inside the podcast. I am joined today by the Bloody Broads podcast's own Bhavna Sharma. Hi guys. Hi Kevin. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for jumping on to this party theme where we've got going strong strongish as we talk about things we used to do before the pandemic now we're going to talk about parties <laughs> yeah um good yes i think parties are always a bad idea mm-hmm. so this theme helped me <laughs> realize that and like oh yeah great not being able to go out really helps you avoid every terrible situation you could get into not being able to go out and then like i had a birthday shindig like a proper one for the first time in about three years Mm. because my birthday is uh march 12th so it was the day before everything shut down it was like a couple of two or three days before the border Mm. shut down like everybody was sent home for that two weeks so like this was the first party well party shindig get together basically just me and my friends going out and I was I found this really cool cocktail bar I want to go to but everything went to hell because you know reservations and things and all this kind of stuff that like I used to be super good at beforehand I'm not anymore to the point where I just gave up and ate tacos and had margaritas and that was fine <laughs> that's awesome though I'm that sounds like a birthday dream yes but you know what party was not a dream the party we're about to talk about <laughs> the nightmare party I mean I mean, the theme of parties in horror movies, as we've mentioned, they're not a good idea. No. You're probably going to die. Yeah. It was never a good idea to begin with. Like, even if the stakes were not death, mm-hmm. it's always about, like, probably the worst party mm-hmm. that you could think of going to. Have you ever had that experience? I kind of am curious if you want to share. Have you ever had a, a nightmare party experience? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Actually, that we should know. About. Let's see what's your <laughs> well. No one died. Horror story. No one died. Good. It was actually one of my birthday parties. It was more like an anxiety nightmare. Still a nightmare. Oh, Still a category yeah. of nightmare. But it was an anxiety nightmare. So I'd gone out of town because I had a bunch of friends in a different city, and it was my I don't remember. It might have been my thirtieth birthday. Maybe my 29th. I can't remember. It was one of them. I'm not even. I'm only thirty five, and I can't remember. Great. That's awesome. But it was one of those birthdays, and. I knew that one of my friends had a problem with another one of my friends, but the problem was I was visiting from out of town. So I'm like, these are just my people coming to my party. I'm going to hope that you all get along, you know, but she had a problem with him. And then he ends up having a habit of bringing people that weren't invited to like along, like, cause he'll be like, Oh yeah, you'll get along with these people. Like I'm going to bring them along. And so it was a very like, ah, mm-hmm. eh, awkward. Half the people didn't really like the vibe of the place. And then the other people didn't like, and then we went to a second location, which if you watch horror movies, do never go to a second location. You never go to a second location. And it was a second location. I didn't want to go to. So I don't like to do karaoke. I don't mind going with my friends and they go up and sing. Mm. I personally don't like the bar type of karaoke. I like the private room, the Korean style, Mm -hmm. get a Mm -hmm. private room, go nuts with just the people, you know, but I don't like the getting up and singing in front of people. I don't, I don't like my singing voice. It's a whole thing. I would rather watch my friends do it. So then they 
took me to this karaoke bar where I'm like, I just want to have a birthday. And it was very awkward. And there was passive aggressive song choices. There were passive aggressive mm-hmm. song choices. Somebody picked F you by Lily Allen to play. Oh, and then yeah. like looked at it. It was very like, I ended up going outside with the people that smoked and I don't smoke. So that oh, it was like a targeted yeah. karaoke song. Yeah. Weird. Other than that. So it was just a big bunch of night and it was daylight savings. That's where you get your real horror story there. Cause it was like, it's about to be 2 AM. Nope. It's now three. <laughs> yeah. We lost a whole hour. So I, maybe in some ways a blessing, like mm-hmm. great. This nightmare is going to end sooner than I thought. Last call. Last call. Let's go. I just know like parties, drinks happen, bad ideas. When I lived out in the cornfields mm-hmm. of rural Illinois, you know, we would just go run around the barns, uh, climb silos. Oh, that doesn't good things sound to do when you're drunk. super safe. <laughs> silos no. seem pretty smooth and unclimbable unless it's a ladder you're going up. Oh yeah. The ladder on the silo. Yes. You wouldn't okay. try to climb. I'm sorry. I, I, just had I don't to... know anyone who tried to scale a smooth <laughs> silo. We use the ladders. I just had this image of you sure. trying to like monkey climb up on this smooth oh. like silo. No, but when I was younger, I was very into just climbing around in stuff that you shouldn't climb on. Fair enough. Without a hard hat and a Listen, sobriety. hard hats just add more weight. So mm-hmm. what's the point of them if you're just going to be climbing? Yeah, it's going to slow me down. Right? Great. <laughs> Well, some good nightmare party horrors and more to come. Yes. So I know we mentioned cities. I found out this fun fact mm-hmm. and I decided to, you know, wrench it into a segue here. But I recently learned, maybe you already knew this, Chicago and Toronto mm-hmm. are sister cities. I did know that. In someone's <laughs> in someone's mind, someone paid for that. Yes. I don't know. So, you know, <laughs> welcome to the family. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, We have never hosted a World's Fair, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. we also haven't had an H.H. Holmes type guy, but we have had a few. We've had our fair share. They probably just don't make the news as big. Oh, oh, no, I know. Well, you there's a very recent serial murderer. (laughs) Yep. That's a whole thing. That's a whole thing. Look up Toronto serial killers. And you'll learn more. You'll learn uh, more. We're not a true crime podcast. No, we're not. No, no we're not. I, that's, I'm not, not going there. Honestly, when I think Chicago, I think that. I think of him, obviously, uh, AJ Chomps. Mm-hmm. But I also think of pizza. I do like a good Chicago style pizza. Oh, yeah. And okay. I think of, what else? I think of Shameless, the TV show. Oh. Those are just the ones off the top of my head. Oh, do I have to do superlatives for Toronto? I believe what do I know you about have Toronto? To. I um I mean I just think of Crash <laughs> David Cronenberg's Listen, Crash Cronenberg, I think it's all people yeah. having sex with cars <laughs> Is that Toronto Crash Crash had to inch through traffic so that Titan could soar down the highway Yeah exactly <laughs> No I, I feel like just like beautiful people Aww. hanging out behind some glass Yeah looking out at the world being really friendly Thank um, you so much better than serial killers yeah diversity i guess that's a thing that feels just very canadian like we'll make sure everyone's included somehow honestly i can get pretty much every kind of food i want so there you go yeah yeah it's it just really depends in chicago i mean i think i live in a good 
area Mm -hmm. in uptown Chicago that has like a lot of different options. But nice. You never know what you're going to get. One city that I don't want to go to (laughs) after watching The Invitation uh, is Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I've been there before and this, you know, that definitely gave me a lot of Los Angeles vibes. Just from watching this, and I think it is, I mean, there is a true crime connection to it. So maybe we are a true crime podcast. Just for today. (laughs) Just for today. And just to cover a fictional movie. So what got you into The Invitation? It's a really interesting film, Karin Kusama's 2015 horror expertly made, crafted, million dollar budget piece of art. Oh God, it is a, it is a piece of art. It should be, it should have been a much bigger hit than it was. Cause I saw no marketing for this. So how did you find out about, how did you discover it? I guess. On one of the streaming sites, I was Mm. just scrolling for something to watch and I got onto like the horror tab. I couldn't even tell you which streaming service it was. It might've been like Netflix or prime or something. And I'm scrolling through it and I see Karen Kusama's name first and I'm going like, oh, does she have a new movie? And Mm -hmm. that came up. And then it was um, Logan Marshall Green's name that also lured me. And I'm like, okay, I like Trey from the OC. I like Karen Kusama. Let's see what... And then I was like, oh, culty vibes? I'm in. Let's go. in. If If there's a cult, I'm there. Yeah, I picked it up because I was doing research on cults for a play I was writing. So this was really informative towards that, which, you know, scary times, cults are always, there's a lot going on, I think. There are, there's all different kinds. Yeah, a lot of things to be wary of. And I think the film does a good job of laying out like, here is why this is problematic. And here's why it's so uncomfortable when you are not inside the cult. And your friend or person you know wants to indoctrinate you into it. Has that ever happened to you? Also, sharing time. Have you ever almost been indoctrinated into a cult? Well, not me specifically. I mean, unless you call all those like MLM schemes cults. Um, (sighs) Then a few tried to, but I am very strong against it. So cult time. We're going to go corporate cult time. So my family was, my parents were super into Amway in the 90s, as like everybody was, because, you know, traditional ways of making money were not great in the 90s, unless you wanted to take a risk. Mm -hmm. And so my parents were into it to the point where like they were saying the jargon and stuff that they used and stuff like that. And like, you know, we got into it as kids, but like whatever the kid faction of it, because they get the whole family in. Mm -hmm. But then when I found out what it really was, when I heard like kids on the playground kind of bad mouthing it and stuff like I did my own independent research and I'm like this is not good so my parents had gotten out of it at that point anyway but I was like Mm-mm. so like you know no thanks but um recently there was a cult in India which I would classify it as a cult people are going to classify it as a religious sect or that mm-hmm. they worship this one guru saint type person which don't even get me started i don't even know the name of them but like my cousins in india are super into them to the point where their instagram stories Mm. are just like praise him and like all these things and there's shrines there's altars which make me uncomfortable because i grew up with shrines and altars but to gods not to people like that like Mm. you know 
Right. So they tried to bring my mom in because my mom, I knew about it because of Instagram and watching my cousins and doing my own, like, what are you talking about? And looking it up. So my other cousins and I are like, yeah, no, thanks. That's a cult. I told my brothers. My mom then sits down with us one day at dinner. We're talking. And she's like, oh, so my cousin in India was like talking to me. And she goes, I think I'm going to go to this like center and stuff. And she was describing everything. And I'm like, that's a cult. Mm-hmm. Like, don't go. She's like, they're going to, I'm like, they're going to take your money. And no, like you want to go to the temple, go to the temple. Do not join this cult. And thankfully she didn't because like they do the whole like pay what you can, but it's not pay what you can. No, thanks. I don't think I'm cult proof, but. I think people like you and I and many people, many of our mutual friends and people into these types of things are pretty cult proof. (laughs) Yeah, I think if you're able to observe it from outside, hopefully it gets there. But, you know, there's not any one type of person that any one cult goes after, right? There's It's really um, about reaching people at a point of, you know, anxiety, desperation, that it's fulfilling some need. And right, you could get that need fulfilled by a group that you don't realize is a cult or whatever thing um, that it's becoming. So I guess I wanted to start with some of the background. I watched an interview with Karen Kusama talking for the Directors Guild of America about about this very movie. Mm-hmm. And she said that her husband and his writing partner kind of created this after some experiences of, you know, loss and dealing with grief in their own lives. And I, I thought that was really, I mean, yes, that's a lot of what the movie is about at a yes. metaphorical level, different ways of dealing with grief and mm-hmm. why having it be about a cult impacting these people's lives made a lot of sense, right? Yes. Like you got the culty vibes first before you got the specific kind of culty vibes. Like you get this, Mm. I think this movie did a really, you know, I'm skipping ahead, please let me know. But um, I think this movie did a really good job of the giving us just enough information as they're getting to the party, Mm -hmm. fulfilling their invitation to this party. It gives you just enough to know that like, okay, this is what the vibe should be, but what is the vibe going to be? And then as soon as we meet Eden, you're like, all right, okay, mm. <laughs> you know, this is what we're She's in one for. Of those. Yeah. <laughs> those hippie flower girlies. We got it. I hope, I wish she was a hippie flower girlie. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, I guess we wished it would like stayed at that level. But it's already uncomfortable. I like that the movie is uncomfortable from the first few moments. I mean, it's like visually disruptive, right? We just get kind of this whited over windshield yep. before we kind of even see Logan Marshall Green's character and mm-hmm. where he's going. And then we find out it's this dinner party. He looks he looks trashed. He looks very upset throughout this whole movie. He looks like he <laughs> went through it. And guess what, guys? Yeah. He went through it. <laughs> He went through it and goes through it some more. He never stops going through it, really. There's no stop. And as far as we know, we'll never stop going through it. Uh, (laughs) If that ending is to be. uh, Woof. But just going to your ex's dinner party at your old house where you used to live. With your dead um, kid. And where, yeah, where your kid also died. It's it's so many things. So even even before we get all of those kind of details sprinkled in, it's just it's uncomfortable. And then he hits a coyote, right? Like, okay, I'm uncomfortable with what you're even doing here. Then you hit the coyote, and then you still don't you 
that's not a sign. No. That's not an anything. That's Did an you, omen right there, guess, my dude. It is an omen. I guess I can see it's it's always hard. This is an interesting thing because I think this movie is very tightly constructed mm-hmm. and the performances are really good, but it's all constructed towards like that end of like, we know we're watching a horror. We know what we're getting into. Yeah. And it uses that. But I think also if I was in that situation, I mean, I guess I would also have to put myself in the mindset that like, this is someone I care about enough that I would do this mm-hmm. and that I wouldn't necessarily read that as an omen. Cause I'm a pretty skeptical person. Same. So it like works both ways of like, okay, I'm skeptical. So I don't think I'd get into a cult, but I also no. don't think I'd see hitting a coyote as a side. I would think it was just a circumstantial thing. So you would be Will's character from <laughs> the invitation. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is the concern I have. I'm like, I think I could easily get into this. Well, also the politeness yeah. and like the social conditioning of like, well, you have to, do some things by obligation yes yes exactly and like though i i understand that like his motivations for when he did try to confront them the two i think it's two different times he kind of Mm -hmm. does it right one where he's wrong and one where he's right yeah the drama with the first one i would have gone about that completely differently oh with choi showing up yeah yeah It was a choice. It was very much a choice. Sorry, we were talking about Will and I'm thinking like, okay, his motivations just there were the only ones that took me out a little bit. Yeah. For that one, with the one with Choi. Or just his reason to do that. But I think I can see it too. Like there's, there's, I guess the main point to start from that frame is like, it is easy to put yourself in his shoes Mm -hmm. because I think Logan Marshall Green as Will is doing like a really good job. Uh, I mean, of playing a specific character, yes, and also showing as an actor like what he's thinking through. Yeah, it's all on his face. <laughs> and at a certain point, there's only so much. Yeah, there's only so much you can physicalize to move the plot forward. Yeah, so true. I get why it kind of bursts out in certain ways. Yes, but you know, he's going with his new new-ish girlfriend, Kira, who I guess she's known them because she's met some of the friends before yeah the vibe i got was that some of the friends hadn't well they all hadn't congregated in over two years together Mm -hmm. but i feel like they definitely hadn't seen eden in two years and maybe one or two of them had seen will that was the vibe i was getting right yeah and they're like drifting apart that's a whole thing so i guess i can see that too right like there are people there you might want to see yeah so it's like, okay, this is how or, we get Or like, okay, if together, it was just but... Eden, I don't think I'd go. But because, you know, Ben and Tommy and Claire, et cetera, et cetera, all are going to be there, I'll mm. show up. Although, you know, I I felt like the gays were a bit too touchy-feely. <laughs> a little, <laughs> Tommy and Miguel. They were a little... It's a little much. A little bit of... They're, well, they're already talking about Kira being their, like, surrogate. Yeah. And they're, like, and then touching Kira... all up on Will's beard. I'm like, okay, you... Yeah. Take it down a notch. Yeah, and they were talking about <laughs> Gina's sex life and like yeah. all of this other stuff. Like I'm going like what? And then the the I want game. Apologies, guys. That is Otto. Oh, he's a four month old kitten and he's very chatty. We'll try to get as many cat noises <laughs> as possible. Go oh, home. He's going for it. So you know, they were also talking about that. Then in the I want game, like he just straight up one of them just straight up asked for a blowjob. You know, and it's like And I'm like, you know what? We don't have to voice every desire we have. Yeah, that's what the game was asking for. I, 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 I'm like, okay with that. Because I, I guess ultimately, like, if you Fair. want that, 
hey, your partner's right there. You can figure out a time and a place to do that, right? So, yes, true. But whatever. you 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 do have a point with the touchy feely. It was just, it was enough to notice. It's- which I think is good. I mean, it's just another undercurrent of the whole movie, right? Again, we're probably going to come in and out of the different themes that are going on, right? There's loss and grief. Mm-hmm. There's cult shit. And there's also this whole thread of social politeness. Yes. And I'm going to come up to it in a little bit. But keep that yes. idea of of politeness, what that means Yes. Uh, to us and where we're going to go with that. But yeah, Eden shows up right then as everyone's coming in and that's yeah that's when we get that's when we know exactly who she is it's so yeah it's like that perfect zombie-eyed zen mm-hmm. the the suspect zen the sus zen kind of like nothing mm-hmm. matters nothing will hurt me nothing can touch me i let everything go i am teflon to which puts anyone watching on edge mm-hmm like, that's what got my back going, like, she's creepy. What is going on with her? You're instantly engaged with that character. Yeah, because it is such a, like, I don't know, drugged out something mm-hmm. performance. I'm like, oh, I get what is happening here already. Or just, yeah, that weird new age religion blissed out thing, whatever yeah. that's going on there. We also meet David, mm-hmm. who's kind of a mirror image for Will. Kind of interesting, <laughs> like that they're styled similarly. Anyway, yeah, uh, they're not exactly lookalikes, but they're close. No, David's pro- the better groomed of the two, so he's the more poised, yeah. better groomed, but yes. the worst Hill House sibling, undoubtedly. A g- <laughs> him and the sister, both of them, but him specifically, him over her. Oh. But it was, um, you know, no, I give her. I give her some restraint. I give her some. That's why he's the worst. And then she's just like mm-hmm. right here. Yeah. And Nell and Luke are down here because they're the best. Oh. Yes. Hearts. Yes. Hearts to the Hill House. Yes. Shout outs. For Mikkel Huisman. Yes. Also the better Dario on Game of Thrones if we want to branch into the fan, make this a fantasy okay. podcast as well. And the hot boyfriend from Orphan Black. Why not? Yes. Another Toronto fan. <laughs> Yes, there, there we go. We That's go. my third. I don't know if I had. A, I don't know if I gave you a third earlier. That's going to be my third Toronto thing. We'll take Orphan, Orphan Black. Black. <laughs> it's everyone's now. Yeah, and then I also thought Claire was the sister from Invisible Man, but she is not. She isn't. I thought the same thing. And I'm like, that is not the same actress. Interesting. No. Wow. Okay. Since we're on the topic of actors, did you see who the original cast was supposed to be for this? Yeah. No. Apparently, originally, Luke Wilson, Zachary Quinto, Topher Grace, and Johnny Galecki had been signed. Oh. Yeah. And then they... In 2012, when get they the money first tried that. to... Yeah, and then they just couldn't get mm-hmm. the money. Then they went along with the other, the rest of the other cast. But I like kind of what yeah. they did with this cast. I felt like that would have been too many household names. Mm-hmm. I think this is really effective by being strong actors who are less well known widely known yes agreed or who have kind of come up since when that movie was made because you know in the background history it took five years i think to make this movie like this was something that was written yeah and then you know everything that happened with (laughs) jennifer's body (laughs) yes probably made people i don't know i don't know why Mm. uh people were so rude to karen but Mm -hmm. in her interview at the director's guild she actually was really happy to have this type of constraint like money wise because she it, 
she said it made her feel like she had to make really purposeful decisions and be very clear about what she wanted to get done. Yes, that makes sense. And I'm glad she had the smaller budget as well, because if this is what came out of it, like yeah. the beauty of show don't tell. Mm-hmm. So good. So good in this film. Yeah. We were told just enough what we needed to let our minds go. Mm-hmm. And it's very, yeah, we're in single location. We're in the party the whole time and we're uncomfortable the whole time as you know, sometimes you are. I think also being an introvert at a party, that <laughs> makes part of it too. I'm like, oh yeah, this is just, this is life. And also the the location of the house. So when they go have the backyard scenes, because there's like two or three of them where they go to mm-hmm. the backyard, just that cliff scenery of them being in the can, you know, mm-hmm. the canyon. And I'm like, sure, they've got their little fence or whatever. But I'm like, that is not safe. <laughs> no. That is not safe. That doesn't do anything. Right. Yeah, the back just kind of looks right off. Down the Hollywood Hills, just tumbling into who knows where. And then I guess to round out our cast, we have also some weird outsiders Mm -hmm. from this, you know, from the people they met in Mexico. Sadie, who's our, you know, little Manson family freak. Yeah, 100% the Manson family vibes. I think they even mentioned that at one point. Yeah, they do talk about, they call her a Manson family, a Mansonian, I think. Yet they have a whole argument about what should they call it. Yes, um, as well as, of course, everyone's favorite bad time guy, John Carroll Lynch, yes. showing up as Pruitt. It's always it's always going to go badly. It's never you, good to see him on screen. No, and once he shows up, you're either going to get the cutest, cuddliest teddy bear of a man character mm-hmm. or this. <laughs> right. Where he just makes you so uncomfortable from the moment he shows up to the end of whatever his line is in the entire movie. Like his scene where he bring you back to the, I want game, the scene where he confesses what mm-hmm. he's done. I know we'll probably touch upon that later, but just that was so unsettling and it was only unsettling because of the way he executed mm-hmm. that exposition. Yeah. There. I think we can just jump into it. I'm not worried about going sure. like blow by blow through everything. Cause That's my right. notes are very, so are mine. My note, I have everything running as just like a list. It's almost like it's verse form. I'm like, I could just yeah. write this up as a poem and see what happens with it. But um, I think it's good to go into the themes. So yes, yes. that great acting, because that monologue is terrifying mm-hmm. just on its own. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't cut away. It doesn't do anything like we, you can see him living it and processing it in that moment, which mm-hmm. I'm like, that's great. So yes, Pruitt tells a story of how he murdered his wife, basically. Yeah. People are shocked, but it doesn't really, it doesn't get anyone to leave right away. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fully change the vibes of the party. So I guess I was curious about like your feeling or take about that with, with the idea of like the social politeness or what would be the right thing to do hearing that story. Yeah. That, I think the most, uh, I take it back, the most unsettling thing about that whole monologue was everyone's reaction afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking immediately. Like, uh, Claire was the only person that got it right. Like, she, like, and the fact that she even waited for the other people to, like, make it about cocaine and sex and whatever else to, like, deflect. Not even it. As soon as he told that story, I would have been like, I have nothing against you as a person. I just gotta get out of here. But if, in the, Mm -hmm. but the social politeness, like you knew no one was going to leave. Like if no one's leaving after that, that is so fucked up. 
like sorry for cursing again i don't remember if that was okay on your pod <laughs> oh i'm i'm okay with it excellent so it was very fucked up <laughs> i want it but it is one of those things where this pushes that boundary right because we have the two sides of like this group of friends who is like so polite because well a they don't want to like step on anyone's grief or like yeah make an ass of themselves or whatever they haven't seen each other yeah but then there's also these weird people who were on this commune in mexico who are really they're not polite no because they're going against the social norms and i think it's that was what was most interesting in this viewing was watching will go Mm -hmm. against the social norms by being very uh, abrasive yes. a lot of times with good reason he is totally justified in everything he was doing of course as we know but like that like what is really the is any politeness any form of politeness okay or is it really like adjusting to the situation like I think his way of not being polite is more meaningful mm-hmm. than their way of not being polite by going against these kind of like social norms and letting their freak flag I think the fact that Will broke the social norms and the social politeness, as you put it, by being a little more aggressive, assertive and like pointing Mm -hmm. things out, calling out the BS. It was I don't I'm I'm trying to find the right word for it, but like just the juxtaposition of him doing that and the way everybody else reacted and making him out to be the villain. It was like this perfect Mm -hmm. blend of like a not quite gaslight situation, but like very similar, like kind of situation which anyone at any party can relate to you don't have to have a confession of murder to have that situation like think about somebody calling out somebody sketchy at a party and people being like oh well you know brian doesn't do that like why are you ragging on brian right you know like calm down you're making a scene you know meanwhile brian probably doesn't have great the greatest attention uh intentions with the person he's talking to you know what i mean like yeah trying to keep it as like not as depressing as possible with that analogy there right but it only adds to the tension yeah or someone says something you know just not not cool dude and that's like the most you'll get like someone will call it make call it out but then it's like i guess i understand the social norms or the politeness of like not taking every moment to fight someone but it is a weird yeah or like you were saying with that party of like I have these two friends who like aren't getting along or whatever it is. And I don't know what the right way. Yeah. To I don't know how to navigate the situation. situation is. So like, yeah, there is something to be said for the social norms, but there is often, it can feel like very targeted or cloying if you start to step out of it because you yeah. don't want, you, I, I don't want to go against the group, but also like, this person that you're allowing so much space to be, you know, shitty and to go against what we should be agreeing on, whether that's like their beliefs yeah, or whether that's like pushing a boundary that you never really asked about. Like, I didn't ask to hear about your story of you murdering your wife. I didn't ask to hear that you want a blowjob or whatever. It I is. didn't <laughs> ask to watch a, a snuff film recruitment video. Oh God. Yes. Most <laughs> of all, I did not ask for that. And that was sad too. Like that woman did not have cancer. No, that's for sure. Let's clear that up right up front. They like definitely murdered that lady. 
straight <laughs> up murdered her. And I have a feeling, and what are your thoughts actually on a, this tangent? How, what are your thoughts on mm-hmm. that being like part of this whole elaborate ritual and not something separate, like how they kind of make it seem like, what if she was kind of like part of this invitation oh. as it were? Yeah. Is she, I'm curious. I would like to know more. That's yeah. one. That's like the aspect where I want more from the movie is yeah. not necessarily an explanation. I don't, I don't need things more spelled out, but I think a little bit, maybe more indication of like, why, yeah. why murder? That still is a, that still is a very specific choice. And there's a reason, like, even if you look at yeah. the Manson family, like it doesn't make sense. It's not like, and it's a not reason grounded in reality, but there was a goal. And on the flip side, it's not like the Jim Jones, the Jonestown mm-hmm. or mass suicide uh, situation either, because that the reason was the, you know, the, the authorities were behind them or were after them or like, or they were paranoid or he was paranoid enough to think that they were actually going to like, right. You know, close them down. So there's a reason, but this, we don't get a reason. And that's even more terrifying. Yeah. We just get like the trigger point. Yeah. We don't get the uh why why they do it. Even in the video uh with the uh, Toby Huss's um Dr. Joseph. Yes. Even in that Artie, video. the strongest man in the world is a cult leader now. Yeah, right. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> the tough CEO from Halton Catch Fire is now a cult leader. Mm. Why are we not surprised? Uh Peanut Butter Penis Dad from <laughs> Halloween is now a cult leader. <laughs> I forgot that was him amazing yes he's so been... many people hate that line i love it i think it's i think it's delightful. hilarious <laughs> but yeah. he in his video that will finds there's nothing to indicate a reason it's just like oh well somebody saw a vision of some sort or this is part of the vision you know mm. you know what to do i feel bad too i'm only asked like it's he's like one of those managers that's like i'm only asking you to do what i would do myself you know like it had that vibe to it right and that it was Maybe, I guess to speculate, we'll bring the speculation. We'll come back to that. But I think it is, yeah, I think it's managerial and it's off setting to this like other group. And a really interesting way to think about like the cult mindset, which is usually very closed off and it is Mm -hmm. closed off through language and everything, Mm -hmm. but just by the way they talk, the way that they talk about, well, you can just let go of your pain. Like it's just a physical reaction. You don't have to feel hurt or grief they have their own jargon which i like that it's also really tied into this idea of toxic positivity culture too thoughts on that i saw a finger there was a finger it's like pressing the button moment it was it was the uh, it was the (laughs) they were like they if all those instagram inspirational quotes that are misquoted and overused and put on lovely cloud heart different colored backgrounds were a group of people that's these guys that's and that's the invitation oh my that's gosh i just invitation. can see like getting an invitation to a party from that guy who does all the balloons oh god like the messages with this, all the helium balloons and didn't john carroll lynch play john wayne gacy at some point oh probably he was twisty the clown he was American that's close enough story. that's close enough he was probably yeah, he was probably John Wayne Gacy. Probably. But to bring it back to the to that point, though, as well, it's like the toxic positivity of it all. That's honestly what I would describe all of them. Like, yes, initially it's like, okay, well, we know this is weird, but, you know, he's one person's motivation is they've got alcohol. So I'm going to 
politely seal their alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, Gina's like, I'm worried about Choi, which, and like other things. And like, I want drugs and like stuff. She's the one that seemed the most grounded to me mm-hmm. of all of them. Yeah. I like Gina a lot. Yeah. Hard. Cause Kira drinks the, 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 the uh, flavor aid at one point, essentially. Mm. Like, cause there's even, she's like into it and like, like you know showing more understanding towards something that's clearly a cult yeah kira's a, a little bit too balanced she was be, she was reserving her judgment a little too much yeah i'm like kira i think you know what's going on here but i think it's also understandable like we don't really know leading up to this what was going on with her and will if he was showing signs that like it was really hard on him or he was going to turn into this other thing like if he was going to overreact and that's something that she had seen him do before which is possible i I think eden asks her that at one point like oh how is he handling things and all of that stuff and yeah and then at one point sadie the um mansonian character goes up to him and goes oh so things aren't great between you and kira you know and he didn't answer quite convincingly right i think neither of them do right because kira's like kind of brushes over it she's like oh yeah he's good yeah she's like well yeah but also you've only known him in this kind of grief spiral of his life too so i think that also changes a lot of maybe the perspective you might have of someone right like you didn't know him when he was you know not going through it as we said yeah like he's only been going through it the entire time of your relationship and realistically how long have you known each other maybe a year maybe a year and yeah. a half tops because i couldn't see this yeah. guy moving on that quickly right because if it was only two years since like eden disappeared and we don't know how long since their son died but not it yeah. wasn't that not long, long a couple that. months or something like that i think she said six months at one point mm-hmm. she said you remember those six yeah. months after like i was barely living or something mm-hmm. like that grief man but i like that that moment does i mean it it is about 20 minutes in where they're like this is a cult um, <laughs> they introduce that they are in a cult and yeah. they're like the, they tip their hand that much right it's it's not i like that about the movie it's never trying to like yeah. there's a sense of inevitability for where it goes like yeah it tries to kind of play with the tropes of the paranoid thriller yeah it was a very intentional thing that um again karen kusama said it was like we really wanted to go in this like direction of the 70s style paranoid thriller genre and they definitely did between the decor of the house the location of the house even the bars on the window and the cult logo which were the same design right so yeah all of that all that loveliness like even the flash like the flashbacks the house looked more modern than it did in the current. Yeah. like so all of his flashbacks like to when the bars weren't on the window and like you know you had that other filter of like the happy times filter i like to call it yeah the i like that that kind of happens at these like strategic points through the movie right there's all these turning points that are intercepted with a uh, the glossy the flashback kind of look of everything so i'm like yes good eye great filmmaking karen make every movie yes oh, no. karen make everything we beg but also logan marshall green looks very different without the hair so i think the first time watching it i'd be like wait who is that yes <laughs> like that's oh, that's Will. Um, yeah. Okay. 
like when he like shaved and like uh like his face shape obviously completely changed and you know without the hair i was like oh Mm -hmm. okay because even um outside of this like this character i think of him as like trey from the oc so like he had short spiky hair and like will still look like somewhat of a teenager at that point you know so it was very like whoa who is this it took it it wasn't too long it took like maybe you know a second but i was like oh shoot that's him it eden looked very different too yeah it wasn't just him she looked very different in the flashbacks because whatever they did i mean it doesn't even sound like they had like a ton of rehearsal so i'm like i guess they just got it they just kind of all got on the same page and i would imagine maybe they shot those things second right they shot the bulk of it and then the flashback stuff later that makes um, sense with the beard and everything I, I guess it's just however they got into their characters right like there's just a physical difference yeah that both of them are doing even just for like some short flashback stuff i'm like oh wow no no for real and then i guess not having as much rehearsal time i think works with this specific group of characters because there's i don't think mm-hmm. there's much for them to fill in there's just mm-hmm. this like you know this is the central couple they you know they had a, a death of a child she went off and joined a cult right he did god knows what and event, like took the traditional route of you know going through it without joining a cult just being sad yeah, just yeah. being sad sad man and then you know here are your friends here's some like basic 2d information that you need make it 3d you know mm-hmm but the what what I'm what I think would have made it easier is just the the whole concept of you're coming to a house party, act accordingly. You know, mm-hmm. you're trying to be recruited by a cult. You guys all live in California. You should know what that's like. <laughs> yeah, you've probably been to this type of dinner party one too many times. Who hasn't? But we also pulling back to the present moment. We're coming back to the I want game. I yes. guess <laughs> we yes. can build from there. But that is also the turning point of what the invitation is, right? Like we get an invitation, we see the invitation to that party very early on, but we also hear that like the cult, the way they refer to getting pulled into that is the invitation, right? Mm -hmm. The invitation into this new way of being or this new spirituality, quote unquote, yeah, whatever it is. So it's like, oh, that's what the invitation is. It's not. Then it becomes like capital T, capital I invitation. Yes. It's an invitation from TI, which yes. we're all looking for. And I've wanted that since the early 2000s. Yes. Um, <laughs> he said I could have whatever I like. He needs to pay up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, that is, I agree completely. That is the turning point. And it's also when I think the characters really show who they are, mm-hmm. like completely. You have Kira that's like supposed to be with Will, but doesn't really back him up there. You can tell they're not in sync. Mm-hmm. And then you have, is it Tommy? Tommy. Uh, it was Tommy mm-hmm. and Miguel that were the couple, right? Yeah. Then you have Tommy, you know, basically saying like, yeah, he's the one that asked for the blowjob and everything like that. It's like, okay, so he's, but he also just wanted the drinks and the party, et cetera, et cetera. Like it tracks, mm-hmm. you know, he's very like, yeah, I want the here and now you have Gina who's all over the map, which is what I like about her and calling out bullshit yeah. and stuff and going like, all right, well I want Coke then, you know? Yeah. And then she's very direct. She's very like, direct. Straightforward. And I know what I'm exactly Ben leaning into the whole fact that Eden wanted to kiss him, you know? Mm hmm their interaction to bring it back to social politeness for just one second when they were in the kitchen and Eden first expresses her out loud, her like 
uh, ways to handle grief that she learned in Mexico mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And Ben's just like, yeah, no, fuck that, essentially. And she goes ahead and slaps him. Yeah. So she started it with the social impropriety. Right. And and in this way that I think belies the point that like, no, you're not really healed and you're not not feeling pain if that upsets you. Yeah. Versus like, okay, I guess if you were going to slap someone, then you could also use that moment to say like, see, that pain doesn't matter, which she does. Yeah. Um, a few minutes later when she gives him the drink, like she's like, okay, you're already forgetting about it. And I do like that moment. Yeah. But I think it you do see before she's able to p- connect that dot that it's like, no, you actually are still in pain. You're still in grief. The techniques you learned are, are probably a little bit bullshit. To quote the kids, you just told on yourself. <laughs> just a smidge. You told on yourself and then you untold yourself that you told on yourself. Yeah. And then what did we do? <laughs> <laughs> and then we all died. <laughs> and then we all died. Yeah. But w- one person who, well, I'll leave it up to you. Do you think Claire died? Or not? Is that open-ended enough in the movie? I think she did just because, you know, John Carroll Lynch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he's... No, no, thank you. He She, she definitely, wasn't letting her get away? No. no because I feel like... Okay, if we're getting to speculation for just a second. Like, I'll bring it back. Oh, I'll explain why during the speculation bit. But I think she was murdered. Okay. But I think it was a good choice to keep that open-ended, right? Like, I don't yeah. know. This... This is also what I always like to point back to. I'm like, this is why this is such an exemplary movie, right? It chose a point of view. It chose to stay pretty close to Will's point of view for most of the movie. We've even got multiple lovely like tracking shots that are following him through this house. Yeah. And like that control of point of view and of filmmaking just makes a stronger story. Like I don't need to be told everything. I felt I would feel let down if it was like, okay, we're cutting away from Will just to confirm if Claire is dead or not, which is like, well, Will never finds out. So you don't get to find out either. And that's, yeah, that's the story you're in. I, I like that angle, but I also thought of it as a slightly bit of a gaslighting angle as well. You know, oh, like we're getting Will's perspective. How much of a relatable, uh, reliable narrator is he? Like mm-hmm. when he was first trying to holding the barbiturates, bottle or whatever the pill at the table like i thought the way he was contemplating it maybe he had drug issues oh yeah like i first thought drug issues not so much curiosity of what they're taking i think he does right i think so i don't remember if they explicitly say something but he was drinking alcohol so i don't know um like i don't know if he was just strictly off drugs yeah he wasn't at first like he was like i don't want to drink yeah and whether like that was from like addiction or just from like just a preference this is like how I'm trying to get over my grief Yeah, or it could be like both. But I think, I think they're, it. yeah, I think those are the moments where it's like, no, we just need to be. And I think maybe for her, even like, Oh, it's probably not good for her to self-medicate in these ways. So I'm like at the best I can do since I'm not really in her life anymore. is just to model. Yeah. Not going that direction. Yeah. Being like, Hey, yeah. look at me. Like kind of do a reverse Uno on that one, you know? Yeah. Like, cause she's trying to teach him how to like deal with grief. And he's like, well, maybe. <laughs> I think you always have to reverse Uno yeah. or X in some way. I mean, what are X's for if not to reverse Uno? From there, then we finally get to the dinner party. <laughs> finally. More than halfway through this movie, I think. Yes. Uh, I love this moment where it's like just at that kind of like foot level of the stairs we just see them kind of all running up the stairs mm-hmm. and we don't even necessarily know i mean i guess it looks like they're wearing what they're in yeah in that party 
So I'm guessing it's from that same night, but I was also thinking of like, it's just like this kind of like lighthearted visual reminding them of the times or the parties or the things they've had before. Cause we really only see a couple glimpses of happiness in their life before. Otherwise it's all pretty painful and sad. Pretty depressing. I think it was the same night. I don't think it was a flashback because I, or at least maybe the scene was too quick for me to notice, but. No, I think it just happens in this moment, like where there's other mm-hmm. flashbacky stuff happening. Yeah, because he's also at the same time having a bit of an anxiety attack. Yeah. And there's a lot of, and this is where it starts like skipping ahead to scenes where it's like suddenly it's still following Will, but he's in like two different places. He's like the- out back when Sadie's confronting him. And then like, then he's in a different yeah. other outside part. And he's having like flashbacks of the day his kid passed away. Mm-hmm. And like, I think it's because of the, the, that exact group of people triggered him in a sense of like them laughing and yeah. like, you know, interacting and being themselves and relaxed and blah, blah, right. blah. Like, and then, so he's having that like moment. We're watching them eat. We're hearing all the sounds. I called it, um, oops, all senses. <laughs> if you, that's a good one. If you remember, oops, all berries, Captain Crunch. Yes. Well, <laughs> all I could think, of. all I could think of was that just senses. a little golem voice going like bad stim, bad stim. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because that was not it a good was, It is. It was that. Mo- that is a good use of that. Probably not for everyone. That no. is overstimulating. But I think it could carry that forth if you're like, yeah, that's actually what that feels like, or at least an indication of, you know, yeah, it can be overwhelming yeah. when you have a lot of your senses stimulated at once. I have the opposite reaction. Yeah. Instead of his blowing up, if I'm overstimulated like that, I go into like, I have no mm. words. I am not here. I am just going to walk away. And check out of this situation as fast as I can. Yeah. But like minimal words. (laughs) But him, I think he had a bit of a hybrid approach. I don't remember if he yelled or if he just like got up and left because that part was a little ambiguous. And then he's in the back in the pool with Sadie, I think. Yeah, it just jumps. Yeah. To that. It jumps to that and then it jumps to him alone. Yes. Right after that too. Yeah. So we don't really know how some of those things closed out. But yeah, he gets that message. His phone ends up working at that point. And I like this moment. Me too. He fends off Sadie. And Mm -hmm. she tries to, you know, seduce him. And he's like, God, no. But there was, that scene was so beautifully done because there was that little moment of hesitation from him of like, crap. And stuff like that. But then he goes, once once she's fended off, he's like in the backyard having his backyard, you know, feels. I, I do like that moment because... Like, there is a hesitation, but I think it's more of a, like, almost violent <laughs> rejection of her. Like, I think he's trying not to get violent more so than he's, like, tempted. That's how I read it. Agreed. Just because his... she also has that line of, like, she also says, you can hurt me if you want. And he's like, he has that lip, that tiny moment you were talking about. And then mm-hmm. it's like, I don't want to hurt you. And she goes, I don't believe you. And that's when he's just like, get out of here. Yeah. Like what he probably should have done from the beginning if he actually wanted her to get out of there. Yeah, I think just, you know, push her into a closet, lock her in there. Exactly. Let her make those crazy faces in the bathroom. Yeah. Let her do her own thing on her her own time, safely away from everyone else. Yes. But But yeah, then we cut to him alone. Then we cut to him alone. And this is the scene you were talking about where he gets the voicemail from Choice. He finally has signal, right? They're all pretty mm-hmm. sure that no one's going to have signal out there. They like cut the Wi-Fi and the phone. Clearly, they never said it, but we know they did. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me how I know. I just do. 
Will then gets cell reception and he listens to his voicemails. He's got about three, I think, from Choi where he's saying, you know, mm-hmm. something about let's pick up. Can you pick up the baked goods, the dessert for me? And then it's like, OK, I'm coming. I'm here. I'm early. I'll see you in a minute. I'm going in and that's it. Done. Yeah. Done. Done. And so then he decides to just bring it up right away. He doesn't try to suss anything out, but that's not how he has been this whole movie. Like, no, he has no show. That's also what I like about Will is like, it's always very direct. Like he just cannot help himself from saying exactly what, what is happening, which I mean, he's right. He's not, he's right. He's not right that Choi is dead or anything at that point, but he is right that this whole thing is weird. So he confronts them. Yeah, but also how much more is he amped up by the fact that Eden is all chill and not mm-hmm. and clearly denying a bunch of things and acting like almost she has that thin line of like, yeah, that's passable as genuine, but it's really not. Right. Kind of vibe to her. And how much is that like ramping up his irritability and like fight or flight mode as well? So him not questioning yeah. it or him not like being subtle or whatever, like I get it. It's like the, if I don't say it now, I'm never going to say it type of situation as well. Right. Because he is, he is very ticked off about that thing. Well, and that's actually, is that before this? Sorry, skipped over where he and Kira have that, the conversation. This is just before I think it's before it. he Just before. This is why they have that conversation. Oh yes. Okay, great. So yeah, yeah. they, he's like, Choi, something happened to him. You did something to him. Yeah. Et cetera. And so, yes getting into that conversation that he and Kira have, which is really great and really heartbreaking. Heartbreaking because that's when you really realize that Kira like is leaning into the social politeness at best and at worst has bought into Mm -hmm. whatever is going on. Yeah. At least to a degree. And Will thought she was his like, yeah, you never got a vibe of like that. They're some kind of super in love couple. You never get that vibe, but like, you know, that does hurt. And you can see the hurting on his face from like, this person's supposed to be in my corner. Mm -hmm. This is the person that knows me now, not then. Yeah. And I think this is about like an hour 20 or so, or hour 15 into this movie. Yes. With only about half an hour left in it. Right. So it's come all this way and you're like, Oh, of course we're going to get the truth. It's going to be revealed that like this is a cult and they're going to kill everyone or everyone's going to get like turned somehow or whatever. Yeah. But then this moment where they find out Choi is alive, the movie pulls back a little bit and it does feel like, okay, it's late enough in the game that like this could be the reveal that like it really is Will. And because we've been seeing it through his perspective, he is actually really overreacting (laughs) to what's happening so i like that that moment pulls back because it's like okay Choi's alive i mean he made a really bad decision like you were there and it seemed like it was really important for you to be early for once yeah and then work called you and you had to go i mean i kind of get it because signals crap but like really Choi? (laughs) i just i don't know causing all this drama jesus all this drama I just love the look on his face because everybody's face just kind of turns and he's just, he, he keeps on talking and then he's just like, mm-hmm. what I miss, guys? No, I know what it is. <laughs> but I like that David and, and Eden tell, well, you can't criticize us for finding our own way through this, right? Which is true. Like, yeah. that's also valid. And I think that's getting to your point about him being irritable or on edge about it is because he does feel betrayed by having such continued grief and it feeling so deep and not seeing that mirrored in your partner is like 
yeah, I can understand why that's frustrating, but that's also not their fault. Like they don't have to carry that emotional burden for you. So like understandable, but also going to the top of the film, maybe you just RSVP. No, (laughs) maybe you just don't go. Maybe you just don't go. Maybe someone puts their foot down and says no. Because yeah, and even Kira names that too, that like moving forward is not a betrayal. So like she's aware of it. I think Yeah. I think a lot of things, even though she's buying into it and just partially maybe to get along with this group, she also wants to do what to the best of her knowledge is best for Will at the time. Right? Like you need to come to terms with this. Yeah. Honestly, I would have loved to explore her character more or have more of her and answer that question of like, okay, did was she into them as a survival technique? Because mm-hmm. as a non-white person at a party that's mostly white and a little mm-hmm. culty, like, you know, yeah, you got to, you know, go along to live, essentially. Right. And on top of that, that's not her friend group. So that's where Gina, if someone like Gina yeah. or Choi would feel comfortable, but not Kira. Because these aren't mm. her people. She's only known Will for a small fraction of the time that he's known the rest of his group. That's his ex-wife. This is their place. Blah, blah, blah. Like, nobody there is her people except for Will. So yeah. if she has to go along with the majority, if the majority's against Will, I see it as, as a survival tactic. Not so much her buying into the cult. Yeah. And I, I think it would have been... I mean, the movie... The movie is what it is. I'm not going to complain. I'm not no. going to ask for a, a difference in... I do... I like Kira, and I think there could be more... F- for her yes more that we know about her and like like you said because we're in she's the outsider really for most of this friend group like yeah there could just be more scenes where she's with will because like he's the only person that she really knows yeah aside from the end scramble they only have like what three maybe tops scenes together and most of those are group settings so i think there's there's room but you know it doesn't really take away from what this movie is yeah. We go from that kind of fight, fight-ish. I guess it's not really a fight. Kira just doesn't put up with the bullshit. She's like, okay. That public humiliation. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, if that's how you feel about it, fine. I'm going to go back inside and eat yeah. some birthday cake. And that's when Will asks to go see his son's room. And we get kind of that like flashback crossing over with the reality of like, here's the son in the room as it was set up. But then here's the reality of like, it's this office space now. Yeah, it's like, oh, here's the filter of what it used to be. And now the filter has gone. And that's when he kind of looks around and he finds the video from Toby Huss's character. Yeah. Which, woof. (laughs) (laughs) If that wasn't like an end times cult, like it hit like a video, it hit all the notes. And I don't know what what is because. Yeah, it had everything. Well, because. Yeah, we see uh, David light that red lantern outside first. Right. Key key piece of information, right? That oh, that lantern, could be nothing. And the lantern had the decoration on it the same style as all the bars on the house. Yeah, yeah. Like a logo oh, yes. almost. Hmm. Every good cult needs a logo. Yes. That's what we... <laughs> when I did that play about cults, that's the first thing we came up with. Really? <laughs> logo. Oh, wow. Uh, maybe not the first thing, but, but branding was really part of, of it all. Let's just um, call it the first thing, and that's the myth of your cult. Yeah. Just as a, you know, large group awareness trainings, don't do them. <laughs> that's my PSA for this episode about cults. 
uh, crap, let me cancel next week's po- No. <laughs> but yeah, I think he should have snooped more earlier, right? Like he's, so. he is snooping. He doesn't have any qualms about it at other parts. And I'm like, well, straight up. Why didn't you snoop more? Yeah. Straight up tried to Sherlock Holmes at those pills. Like they were letting you, they didn't have any problem with you walking around doing whatever. So clearly like you knew where stuff was. She sent you out back to get wood. Like, you know, the only thing that's different now is that they locked the doors (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they had that whole argument with doors. Oh yes. Right. Leaving the key in the door. But you get so many shots of him tearing himself away from the group and everyone being fine with it, Mm -hmm. but they're wasted on brooding. Right. Which, yeah, understandable. Yeah, I get it. Especially if you're thrown into that situation. I thought he acted quite admirably. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, he watches that. And that moment is a little bit. There's nothing, again, revealing the ultimate plan. It's like tonight's the night our faith is made real. Right. Toby Huss's cult leader says. So we don't really know exactly what that means. And Will doesn't really show how what he thinks of it. Like, is he more creeped out by this? Is this more terrible things or is it actually starting to intrigue him mm-hmm. or is he starting to piece it all together yeah so i like that it's interrupted by pruitt here so we like we don't really know exactly what route it's going to take through will's character until the moment where he well what happens next yes. i'll let you describe when okay. he comes back to the dinner table okay so after finishing watching the video he comes back out with pruitt just walk down the hallway as you do on the way. And it's that nice slow-mo tracking shot mm-hmm. where you see Eden pouring out wine, but instead of a bottle, like they made a point to point out the bottle for the whole night. This time it's coming out of a decanter mm-hmm. and there's a point being like, it's a, such a beautiful slow-mo shot of wine being poured a red wine, suspiciously milky looking red wine being poured mm-hmm. from, you know, a decanter, which you would then, a wine person would think like, okay, she, you know, aerated, like she um, decanted the bottle, like she did some extra woohoo stuff to it, which I can't think of. And I used to work with wine, but it was, it's because of that. It's not the famous milk wine of no. Iceland. <laughs> Is there a famous milk wine of Iceland? I'm sorry. I don't know. Is no, there? I know. I'm making, no, I'm making things up. Merch ideas. <laughs> milk wine. Milk wine. But no, no, no. Um, So he sees it. There's a slow-mo shot. And then he kind of sees everybody kind of picking up their glasses. He sees Gina take like a tiny sip. Mm-hmm. So that's when it goes back to like, you know, normal or hyperspeed. And he's going and he's knocking down all like he's grabbing everybody's glasses, knocking them down, breaking it all up, smashing it, blah, blah, blah. Don't drink this. Don't drink this. And like Gina's the only one that's taking a sip. Keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I did. And that's, that's when the no chill crew loses all their chill. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Will fully loses his chill first. Yes. But he never had chill to begin with. Right. So it's more. His chill just spills out into violence. So like, well, he does. He doesn't want to hurt Sadie, but he does hurt her. He does hurt her. So Sadie is the first one to lose her shit. Runs after him, Mm -hmm. you know, in a crazed frenzy. You know, you ruined everything. Like, ah. and yeah. Will's just like, get off me and like knocks her mm-hmm. down. She hits her head. Everyone thinks she's dead. You know, everyone's been into action. Miguel, who I think is an EMT or something to do mm-hmm. in the medical field because he was consulted on the pill earlier, goes and starts to do CPR. He's like, oh, yeah, they're going like, okay, okay, there's a faint, there's a faint pulse, there's a faint pulse. 
And there's like, no, there's no pulse. And he's like, yes, there is. And we turn the camera around and find out that Gina died. Mm-hmm. And she was the only one to have taken a sip. And that's when time yeah. kind of slows right down. And so they're trying to resuscitate Gina, or at least give her CPR at the moment. And, well, some people don't want that to <laughs> go through. So, unfortunately, Miguel's time in this movie has come to an end. but. I do like the little O that David yeah. has when he shoots Miguel. He's like, oh, like <laughs> you didn't know you were shooting someone? What? No. What's going on? There's a lot of, you know, guns and stabbings from here on out. But I guess that was my question with, like, I don't want more exposition, but I'm curious, like, why they're kind of crazy or frenzy. Like, they just go into this, like, frenzy murderous thing. And I'm like... I don't know if a cult's going to necessarily make you go that way, but it could. I guess yeah. it's, it's possible. There's some historic precedent. So maybe if we don't know, maybe not knowing makes me buy it a little bit more than if I did know. It's not like with, it's not like a Heaven's Gate situation, you know, where they had like their clear yeah. intent or like mm-hmm. an Om Shinrikyo situation either, you know? Yeah. Like there's um, no oh. clear. Oh, Shinrikyo. Yeah, right? <laughs> had to mention them but uh i guess this is where the speculation comes in it's the time for the speculation that we promised moments ago these are not facts these are just opinions yeah i think i mean it's indicated throughout the movie that they wanted to save these people from their pain as well Mm -hmm. and i think it's a collective experience, right? Like that's what the cult is based on is this collectivity and the breathing in mm-hmm. of like when that woman died, like they're like breathing and feeling her thing. And I think it's anyone who is affected by this grief, if they don't die with you, then you're not, your death won't be fulfilled or like whatever you get at the end of it won't be totally fulfilled. Like right, all of the grief had to go away together and that's why they wanted to kill all of their friends who were there at that party where their son died. Yeah. Right. And themselves, I think too. Right. Yeah. And themselves too. Yeah. I think they were going to, I think. Yeah. I think so. Died. I don't know. I don't know if Pruitt was, that's my feeling is Pruitt was just the muscle and he was going to dip at the end <laughs> of that night. <laughs> Yeet. <laughs> just um, get on out of but there. That is, yeah. I think that's indicated in bits of the movie. That's mm-hmm. going to be my takeaway from it. Like, I think, I think that was just part of like, they needed to die as a means to an end to get over this grief. But I don't know. What was your speculations? I don't know if it was just grief. I think grief might've been the first layer or the, what reeled them in because of the way David mm-hmm. was talking to Eden when she has her little crisis of faith about the mission. Yeah. She starts to doubt. Um, I'm like a little too late lady, but uh, the way he was speaking to her, I don't remember the right words or the correct quotes, but the, the gist of it was essentially him just convincing her, like, remember, we have to get to the other side and there'll be no more, like, mm-hmm. yes, no more pain and stuff. But the way he was saying, like, we have to get to the other side, we'll meet them on the other side, was a little more than just the grief aspect. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, this was more like, I was like, okay, well, what do they believe in? Mm-hmm. You know, because they're not necessarily religious. So where where is this coming from? type of situation and it was also the way he was talking to her as if he had to convince her mm-hmm. and convince himself to like you know yeah they're both very scared in that moment yeah 
I also think they maybe had to have a specific number or like everyone that was invited up or that had been exposed to a certain level of something had to go, which is why I think Claire died. Oh, okay. Like she knew too much. Yes. Poor Mm -hmm. Claire. I'd like to think she's out there somewhere. Yes. I don't think the timing was supposed to be a specific timing either because they could have, I saw it more as like they had to get them drunk and comfortable enough that when you actually you know slide the poison in they're not going to feel it Mm. and that it can be a moment that's more ritualized because they're not going to be taken off guard like oh this kind of end of the night drink yeah we're all going to have a cheers a toast a thing together yeah we've already had several bottles of wine together we've already done cocaine and various other things you know we're comfortable now what's another glass what is another glass Right. Yeah. Always say no to that last one because you never know when it's going to be filled with, I don't know, arsenic. Barbiturates. That's what I thought. I thought the pills that they found. I guess it must be the barbiturates, but yeah. How much barbiturate do you need in there? Because he did. She did have like a jumbo pill bottle. Right. Yeah. And she hides. Right. Yes. The barbiturates. The barbiturates. But this is when we get into full horror movie territory, right? They're like, People are getting stabbed and shot and all sorts of madness is going on. And Will and Kira are just doing their best to survive and run their final girl gauntlet, watching their friends die. It's all very, you know, very violent and abrupt, but I feel like it, you know, it's effective. It is. And the last shot is also super effective mm-hmm. where you see the other lanterns lit and you hear police sirens right. and dogs and it just amps up and amps up and amps up. And then you see that like the entire side of the canyon or the hills that they're on all got lit red lanterns. There's like fires, there's various like screams and you see mm-hmm. silhouettes of people being chased. And then yeah. they're like, oh, what is this? Well, maybe they're safe there, I guess. Yeah. Locked in. Like, the windows are barred. They're locked in. Everyone who's there who was trying to kill him is dead. So. I didn't trust you know, that Tommy went back inside. I was like, don't do it. I know you have to get Miguel, but don't do it. You think Tommy's in danger? Well, he never came back out, did he? The last um, shot's just no. Kira and well. But it, I choose to believe really give he him lived. time. I think Tommy's good. Yeah. You can't kill both gays. Not in this economy. Not in 20, was it 2016 or 2015? Yeah. 2015, 16, somewhere around there. Listen, you get one. You already killed two people of color in there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I don't know how much the (laughs) movie was going for that, but. Yes. (laughs) I mean. Always something to be mindful of. I feel like Karin Kusama is pretty mindful. Oh, yeah. That's what I liked about the movie, too. If Like, it feels like, yeah, this is a naturally occurring friend group. It all makes sense. Yeah. Rich-ish people in... Ri- yeah. rich I don't know, whatever. Is... Hollywood Hills makes sense. Yeah. This is, this is a realistic friend group. One person me. had to have, like, a spouse that had to stay home and take care of whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, either it be children or business or something. Or their secret child labor business. <laughs> I mean, Ben did seem the type. Topical... He did say in <laughs> He would have child labor. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I can bring so he deserved it. <laughs> now, yet yeah, that's going to be the end. The end speculation is so. Why did they all deserve to die? Really excellent. From what was in there? Why did they all deserve? <laughs> no. To die? Okay. Well. <laughs> no, I don't want to go in that <laughs> no. direction. That's sad. 
but that is the movie. That is. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Would you join this cult? Hell no. Hell no. I would much rather go through the pain of feeling things than not. Mm-hmm. Because not feeling things is scary. It is. And it feels, yeah, it's scary. It's alienating in much the same way as. Yeah. I, maybe in both ways, right? But you, I feel like, wow, I would never want to be Eden. And I'm okay with being Will. That's it. I'm okay with being Will. I will grow that mountain man beard. I mm. will grow the hair out, you know? I will try not to hit Coyote on the road, but, and I would probably most definitely be not going to that party. <laughs> if I yeah. I'd be like, um, no, she's alive. That's good enough for me. <laughs> I know she's okay. I'm, yeah, I'm leaving the city, actually. Yeah, I'm going to just go somewhere else uh, and not come back here at all. <laughs> Yeah, but no, I I would rather take his way of handling things because, uh, as probably most people or some of your listeners, I'm sure understand, it's like everyone has bouts of being numb, mm-hmm. little moments here and there, or and if you haven't, you're very lucky. But uh, most people with weirdo brains, that happens, and when that does, it should be very scary because I've had it maybe once or twice in my life getting candid on the record, but like mm-hmm. I've had it maybe mm-hmm. once or twice in my life, and both of those times I've been like that's not good. I don't want that. So even at my lowest lows, Mm. I would much rather do that. Definitely. Yeah. And that's, yeah, hopefully encouraging, I think in a certain way of like, you can be aware of that. Like there's a limitation to that awareness. So yeah. Yeah. If you need help, have people in your corner that you can lean on, that you can support you. Um, Yes. Um, Recognizing that. Would you join that? Join that cult? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no question. I would. Not. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I think after, especially after extensive cult research, I'm like, yeah. I'm really just. I just don't think it's for me. I just. I don't see it happening. Yeah. It could happen to anyone. I understand. There's a lot of ways these. Honestly, work. when you're when you're that low, or when you've had something that big happen to you, you're not going to be thinking straight. Like you're not going to be thinking logically. You're not, you're just, it's literally like, you know, you're not there. It's like an astral projection kind of situation. So if somebody's just tugging your hand along gently to something easier for you and you don't have to make any decisions and you don't have to do anything, let's go. And if you're in community with someone already, that makes it that's so it. much easier and community that like people can share their like people are actually proving that they're in a community and not just like people that have known you that might not have gone through it mm-hmm. so you need to go through it the message <laughs> of today is just, just go through it just go through it anything can be fixed with a shower and a shave except yeah. for death so and food and sleep food and sleep <laughs> preferably not which uh decanted wine from people you probably shouldn't trust <laughs> decant your own wine that's um, it or let bill skarsgård do it for honestly you. bring back controversial take but bring back um early college university party high school party rules of byob byob and let let your friends drink out of the bottle there you go Done. Or just get those ones with the cup yeah. is the top of the bottle. 
Or honestly, just take it the, you know, the tutor way of having someone taste all your food. Oh. Have a food taster. Someone Invite someone to the party that you're like, all right, well, we wouldn't normally invite you, but you know what? You want to be in? Cool. You just got to take a sip of everyone's drink. Mm-hmm. Before we do, you got to take a bite of everyone's food before we dig in. And then you're free to do what you want. It's just a special ritual we have. No, no reason to look any closer at <laughs> no, this. No, And then they'd all. be like, is this a cult? <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it all winds back on itself. Well, great yeah. conversation. Yes. Do you have any, I was curious about this because it, mm-hmm. I think it's a sneaky, this is kind of a sneaky influential movie on like, because it has such a low budget. So there's like a lot of low budget paranoid thriller horror that's come out in the last few years Mm -hmm. that I think is really influenced by this movie, right? Like it has that 2015 vibe slash 16 date, but it was, I feel like that's not that long ago. That was like seven years ago, but it still is. It was not at all. There are other movies that came to mind that have come out since that point that I'm like, Oh, I could see like where the invitation might've influenced something like this or something like this. And I was curious if there were any, uh, any legacy or any lineage from from the invitation you were seeing in in other films? I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. I was not serious. Um, um, I would say in this one, I, this one's a little bit of a stretch, but ready or not. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, and replace cult with family curse. Yeah, you know, replace humans being the monsters with actual monsters and you've got an an inverse situation. So instead of having, uh, I'm just going to call them one, like, cause they all, they all acted as one. So David Pruitt, Mm -hmm. Sadie and Eden, one group kind of be the ones in the know and kind of orchestrating a situation like this, like the family would, and you have like, you know, Mm -hmm. the group of friends being the majority flip it and make it just the one person that doesn't know what the hell's going on and everybody else is in on it. Yeah. So I think Ready or Not was kind of, if not actually influenced, but like somebody had seen that movie in the course of writing it, you know? Yeah. There was a touchstone there. Yeah. Um, I was also thinking about another more indie, uh, One BR, One Bedroom. I feel like that is very, very, I don't want to give away too much about what connected it for me, but at least in terms of like culty vibes. Yeah. What's going on there? And I think there was a there's been a few other kind of cult related movies that well, have that have leaned more in this direction of like Yeah. The paranoid, the unease, rather than it being like just a straight up <laughs> nightmare or like, oh, we're going wild with it. I would say Scream Five and Cream Scream Six too. Mm. Are at least partially influenced by this because and this was this is a bigger stretch than the one for ready or not so i'm going like <laughs> ah but i think it was more like they took a pulse of the movies at the time while coming up with these ah, right um right. what where i kind of connected is ghostface and like sydney and like you know uh in this case not sydney anymore it's um it's gonna it's uh, billy's character and the whole legacy mm. idea and the whole like cult of Ghostface, and then like spoilers for scream six even though we had those on top uh on the top of the episode but <laughs> Um, there's even like a little shrine to all the good different ghost faces mm. that's shown here. You get like everybody, almost all the, vi- uh, pretty much all the victims, all like the ghost face variants and stuff like that. So like now it's a lot more legacy based 
Mm -hmm. than it was previously as opposed to just like i'm an annoyed family member of this person or i'm you know you're the like you know you're related to the to to one of the protagonists this case it's for starting from this one it's just the cult of ghostface Mm -hmm. because there aren't too many culty culty movies that have come out it's more been documentaries i feel than like straight up or ones that examine it at a different level i mean i get or maybe it was just something that was in the time because i know the sacrament Mm-hmm. Came out around this time too, which was Ty West's the uh, Jonestown movie. I don't know how to feel about that whole thing. I haven't watched that one, so I don't know. Definitely, it's super interesting, but it is. I mean, it's set because it's like a found footage movie, so it's set Ooh, contemporarily, but it really follows the events of Jonestown pretty closely. So I, I'm uncomfortable with that, maybe, but might be watching that tonight. That's Thank you. Interesting. <laughs> I would watch it. Yeah, Sacrament, go for it. With the the trigger warning of like, yes, yes. It's basically what happened at Jonestown. Yes. Stylistically, I can't remember if your your next came out before this, correct? It had to Yeah, work. just a couple years though. Yeah. I'm thinking stylistically, I would say that this movie probably influenced Ari Aster a bit. Mm, mm-hmm. Like obviously no, with, there's a very with grief and 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 how to handle it and the different ways of handling it and culty type coven things replace cults mm-hmm. with covens great job well to a true master karen kusama thank you for this movie yes. we worship at the altar of karen kusama yes we do <laughs> the karen kusama cults ha- has taken effect yeah we're this is not this is now our like we're a joint podcast now we are called the cult of karen kusama the cult of King. So we only cover Karen Kusama. We only cover her films and TV shows. Yes. And teach you how We're to deal with best. your grief. Yeah. All for ninety nine ninety nine a month. And that's it. Or hour? Should we do it hourly? Hourly. Let's, monthly let's, or hour, hourly? Oh, for take, sure. Let's take a page out of Miss Cleo's book. Let's do it hourly. Yeah. Great. Excellent. Well, thank you, Bhavna. <laughs> it's been great chatting with you. I. Don't want to join this cult, but no. I, I will keep my ears open if we can start our own. Yes. That's really the only level to <laughs> get involved in at all. Where can we find you on the internet in the world? Of yes. course, there's always the Bloody Broads podcast available on all the streaming platforms. Heck yes. You can find us at Bloody Broads Pod on every single social media platform you can think of. And also, if you want to send us any emails or reviews, bloodybroadspod at gmail.com is where you can reach us. Uh, where you can find me is at the Lucky Charms on uh, Twitter, Hive, and on Instagram. I just have a little underscore at the end. And you can also find Otto on yes, the Lucky on... Charms as well. Yes, you can. Otto has a picture a day while his mother is away. So keep keep uh, keep tabs on that one. Well, thank you so much. I'm sure we'll meet again of when course. you know when we have the big sister city reunion. Yes. <laughs> I just imagine us <laughs> turning into like transformers, but the cities get up and like, oh my god, all the people have to kind of like go we, with them and meet. Wherever. We can be like the new Transformers movie where they're like gorillas and like they're also oh. animals, but they're transformers. It was very weird if you haven't seen the trailer, yeah. but I, I haven't. But I'll take a look. Yes, but no, this was a pleasure. Thank you for having me on, and thank you for having this as one of the options because I felt like this movie fell through the cracks. Oh yeah. Well, we're going to uncrack. <laughs> we're going to fill all the cracks with the invitation. 
Uh, we're going to slip that invitation under all the doors. Yes. Through all the windows. You can't get away. No, there will be nice little wax seals on them with that logo. We're going to go all out. Oh, yeah. All out. All out. But until then, until you watch the invitation, keep it creepy. Click. Did you hang up? No, I just said click.